the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Ben Roethlisberger is getting paid. Yeah, in case you missed it, Ben uh, got a two-year extension on his contract. He's good through the 2021 season now, and um, that means, you know, he's going to make a, a lot of money. Uh, lots of numbers being thrown around, but it's probably going to come to a little over $30 million a year guaranteed. That's fine. Um, I think NFL players are actually vastly underpaid based on the revenue they produce. That may sound ridiculous when I just told you that a quarterback's going to make $30 million a year, but I think he deserves every penny of it. If he's the starting quarterback on any team, he deserves close to that. And he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Anyway, they should do something about it. Uh, the players should, when they uh, negotiate their next uh, working agreement, they should get more money. Uh, and they sh- And should anybody really care, though, whether Ben Roethlisberger makes $30 million or $300 million a year. Well, you know, you might say no, but actually maybe they should. We talked about this uh, a couple of months ago with someone from the Allegheny Institute, but every time there's a, a big signing like this, I, I hate to be a party pooper, but I think back to when the politicians were pushing the two stadiums on the north side on the voters, and they voted it down, by the way, and then eventually... You know, I'm I'm guessing you know most of that dirty story about how it got they got they got built anyway, uh, and the Steelers and Pirates were trying to make everybody believe that they they really needed the taxpayers to pay for those stadiums. And that was about 20 years ago, 1997, 98, maybe a little more than 20 years ago. Heinz Field is 18 years old, and there's still 12 years left on the lease, a lease I believe. And you're paying for it with your uh, with everything that you buy in Allegheny County. There's an extra one uh, percent sales tax. I think it's uh, seven instead of six, or is it six instead of five? I forget. But it's it's and it's not one. It's not a one percent increase. It's like a fifteen percent increase from five to six or six to seven. It's a one one number, but it's a bigger increase than one percent. Much bigger, actually. So, uh, and and so you're you're helping to pay for the stadium. And do you know how much the Steelers pay on that lease? They pay $2.5 million a year. They pay it every 10 years. That's $25 million every 10 years. Um, did I mention they're going to pay their quarterback $30 million a year? They pay $2.5 million for the lease, uh, and they had you build the stadium for them. And this is not just the Steelers. Pirates, Penguins, every just about every team in the country. I'm only picking on the Steelers today because they signed their quarterback for $30 million a year. And they really don't have to pay that uh, $2.5 million because they get to deduct what their employees, that being the, including the players, pay in income tax. So that comes off the $2.5 million. So they probably, I'm not, gonna, I'm not sure about this, but there's a chance they end up paying nothing by the time they get their deductions. And, of course, the Steelers, who needed you to pay for their stadium, will get, are you ready, $255 million from TV this year. $255 million. And the lease is $2.5 million on the stadium that you built for them. Uh, and then whatever they get from all the tickets sold on top of that, that $255 million, you know, they do sell tickets at the stadium, so they get that money, too. They put 65,000 people in there every week. Eight, they play at least eight games. They play plus exhibition, so they play somewhere between uh, 10 and 12 games a year there. And uh, again, did I mention it's $2.5 million a year? They only have to pay it every 10 years. And by the time the 10 years are up and the deductions are thrown in there, they don't pay all that much. And then there are the concessions, not only from Steelers games, but from every event that's held at Heinz Field. They get all the revenue from all those concerts over there. Kenny Chesney and all the people puking all over the place and all the beer they sell, sell that's, that's money in the Steelers' pockets. But they need you to pay for their stadium. And, of course, the Steelers and the Pirates, they get the development rights. 
to the land between and around PNC Park and Heinz Field. So they, they lease that land to those buildings that you see, the people who own those buildings that you see going up over there. And they got $2.5 million from the taxpayers to build an amphitheater over there on the north side. And the tickets aren't free to the taxpayers. I still think you have to pay to go to the concerts over there. But, hey, the Steelers play, as I said, eight or ten games a year there. Uh, actually, it's ten or twelve if you count exhibition games. And Pitt plays six. Uh, and then there are a few high school games in the concert. And it sits empty about 340 days a year. That should make you happy. We have another sports story when we come back, though, about college football players being paid. Stick around. So stone cold and back's turning bumping boys don't know one thing about life. True love and trouble, struggle and strife. They think it's all just fun and games. Have you heard the crack of the bat, the cheers of the crowd? Have you seen the smiles on the faces of the players as they take the field? I'm not talking about the Pirates. I'm talking about what's happening in Moon Township that can only be described as a miracle. This is John Stagerwald. With the help of Pirates Charities and people like yourself, the Miracle League of Moon Township has broken ground on a brand new ball field and adaptive playground where athletes with special needs can play regardless of their ability. At miraclesinmoon.org, you can see the stunning plans for the 9,500-square-foot playground and state-of-the-art ADA-compliant restroom facility with showers, wave technology, multi-level fountains and sinks, mechanical changing tables, and more. It's incredible. Our goal? To raise the remaining funds they need to bring it home by first pitch this September. Check it out at miraclesinmoon.org slash donate and make your tax-deductible gift today. That's miraclesinmoon.org slash donate. This message paid for by Robinson Town Center, a Zamias Properties entity. Getting close to retirement? Experienced a nice Trumponomics bump in your portfolio? Well, we know the market goes up, and unfortunately, we also know it goes down. Don't risk your retirement to market whims. Learn how you can lock in those gains today by spending time with the team at Marley Financial. Todd Marley and the experts at Marley Financial can help you design a retirement plan that is bulletproof against the market's ups and downs. The team at Marley Financial uses a multitude of different techniques to make sure that you have a retirement plan that is tax-friendly, stable, and worry-free. Oh, and speaking of taxes, did you know that Marley Financial can handle that too? With all the changes in the tax laws, be sure you're taking advantage of the best possible deduction and make sure you know what adjustments to make for your overall financial picture going forward. Call today for a no-obligation consultation to see just how, for 25 years, the clients at Marley Financial have never had a retirement plan fail. Call 724-884-1496 today. 724 724- 884-1496 or visit them at marleyfg.com Have you tried digital marketing but don't know if it's getting you customers? Got different companies running your web design, social media marketing, and geofencing, but not sure which is working and which is a waste of your dollars? Contact us at Salem Surround. Digital marketing experts who offer a free analysis of your digital marketing effectiveness and suggest methods that could dramatically increase your sales. We can put all your digital marketing under one roof, give you monthly reports on results, and instantly move your dollars to the most effective areas of your digital marketing suite. Social marketing, geofencing, web search enhancement, event targeting, and more. Now there are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Across America, it's snoring season. Right now, 90 million Americans make this sound every night. Snoring can be caused by breathing through your mouth when you sleep. If you have a blocked or narrow nose, then you're more likely to open your mouth to breathe, causing snoring. Thankfully, there's mute. An ingenious Australian invention that could quiet the snoring season once and for all. Mute is a comfortable nasal breathing device that sits inside the nose, supporting your airway and keeping it open while you sleep. You'll breathe more easily through your nose and snore less. In fact, in trials, 75% of couples reported a reduction in snoring when using Mute, allowing them both a better night's sleep. Put snoring season to bed, America. Available at Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid and other fine stores. For more information, go to MuteSnoring.com. Mute. Breathe more, snore less, sleep better. You're listening to the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. 
Well, if you've listened to this show, uh, read my column, followed me on Twitter, or anywhere else, you've heard me refer to college football and basketball as a cesspool uh, or two cesspools, however you want to look at it. There was plenty of proof of that in the recent scandal that cost Rick Pitino his job at Louisville, got some agents some jail time already. There's a new wrinkle to that scandal, and it may involve Pitt and Penn State football. Des Beeler covered that uh, story for the Washington Post, and he joins us now. Des, thanks for being here. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. So how did football work its way into the basketball bribery scandal? <laughs> yeah, well, in somewhat unexpected fashion, uh, you know, there's a trial uh, that just began this week. It's the second of three uh, federal trials that relate to the arrest that the FBI made in 2017 of a bunch of college basketball assistant coaches and some Adidas executives and some related people involved in the scheme uh, to sort of bribe recruits to uh, go to various colleges and for uh, college basketball assistant coaches to kind of refer their players to this wannabe agent. Anyway, so the, the main government witness was on the stand yesterday, and he just happened to mention that he in the past had, had been a financial services advisor for a number of NFL players, and the way he was able to you know, cobble together that stable of, of professional football players was by paying a lot of college football players at the time to say, you know, hey, here's some money now and just remember me later when you're in the pros. Uh, if you could hire me to be your financial advisor, that'd be great. And apparently it worked out pretty well. So he, on the stand, under oath, named a number of programs that he claimed uh, he paid football players with. And it was, uh, you know, to some degree, a who's who of college football. He mentioned Alabama, Michigan, North Carolina, Notre Dame, as you mentioned, Penn State, Pittsburgh, uh, and also Northwestern. And he provided a couple of examples, including uh, at least one that, that touched on a specific Penn State player. Now, did did you find the testimony credible? I was not at court. Let me just put that out there. Yeah. So, you know, I'm following this from afar. So I didn't, you know, I wasn't yeah. able to sort of read his body language and so forth. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, it's a very fair question, though, when you're talking about this person. His name is Marty Blazer. You know, he's turned state's witness. He clearly was someone who didn't have a problem breaking various laws at the time. He pleaded guilty himself earlier uh, to a number of, of financial crimes for which he could be sentenced to up to 67 years in prison. So, you know, he has incentive to sing like a bird in some cases, but he doesn't necessarily have a lot of incentive to make stuff up because he is on the stand under oath. And if he spins a bunch of yarns that turn out to be have no basis in fact, then he hasn't helped the prosecution at all. And he, in that sense, he hasn't helped himself at all. Yeah, you know? So he doesn't have a lot of incentive to lie, really, at this point either. Yeah, it, it, it would make no sense whatsoever for him to just throw that stuff out there, be making it up as he's up there trying to reduce his prison sentence. Right, exactly. So, I mean, that lends some credibility to it. And, of course, anybody who knows anything about college football wouldn't necessarily be shocked to learn that, you know, a, a financial advisor would pay players or that any number of people would pay players because we know that that's, that happens already in college football and, and there are countless examples of it and countless, countless sort of allegations made over the years. The, so the surprise in this case wasn't necessarily like, oh, my God, somebody paid college football players. It's just that it came up in this trial that ostensibly was about college basketball, and all of a sudden it broke into a bit of a college football scandal in the middle of it. And do you think, I mean, you you work in the media, I work in the media, I've been doing this for a long time, uh, if I were sitting in that courtroom and he said that, I, I wouldn't have been the least bit surprised to hear him say it. Why would anybody be surprised to hear him, <laughs> you know, oh, you, oh, geez, I'm shocked. You mean they do this in football, too? That's shocking. Right, exactly. I mean, if anything, the bigger money is in football, right. certainly, you know, so uh, anytime anything's awash in money, there are always going to be people to come in to try to get a piece of that pie, and that's certainly what's been explained in, in these federal trials is that you have an agent who is trying to get the services of players, you know, high school recruits even, uh, and you had shoe companies that wanted top recruits to go to certain schools to the, so they could make money down the line. Everyone is looking at the cash that's flowing into these sports and, and trying to figure out how can I get a piece of that. You know, the, the new thing that's come up in these trials and that, is that the federal government is trying to make crimes out of these, you know, whereas before we yeah. just talked about NCAA violations and maybe programs we get sanctions, you know, maybe coaches we get fired, that sort of thing. Now we're talking about people getting prison time in federal prison, so that, that's a new wrinkle that's got to be probably terrifying to, uh, to you know, certain people in, in the college sports. Yeah, you had, uh, in your story, uh, and, and we're talking to Des Beeler uh, of the Washington Post, in your story you had specifics on Pitt and Penn State. Yeah, in, in terms of Penn State, um, so the, the co cooperating witness, as I mentioned, Marty Blazer, he said that 
sometime around the 2008-2009 season, uh, he didn't name any names, but he said a Penn State assistant coach was concerned that uh, one of his star players was considering declaring for the NFL draft. He wanted to kind of allay. He thought, well, maybe he's doing that for financial reasons. His family needs money. So he, he got Blazer uh, to, or he said, Blazer said that the coach encouraged him to give the father of this player $10,000 to kind of smooth things over financially and, and hopefully keep the player at Penn State. And the way he described the assistant coach, he said he was the father of an NFL player that I was a financial advisor for. Um, and he said that the player then went on to become the 11th pick in the 2009 draft. So he didn't name names, but you could certainly you know, <laughs> it's figure that out. not that hard to look up who was drafted that year in the 11th, yeah, exactly. 11th pick in the first round. Larry Johnson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, actually, that was Aaron Maben. Oh, that's the right. Larry Johnson, yeah, the Aaron Maben, the pass rusher for Penn State, was the pick yeah. that year. But right. the Larry Johnson connection is that the assistant coach was the father of Larry Johnson, at least allegedly. Mm-hmm. And he's, he was contacted by uh, Yahoo Sports and denied everything he expressed surprise at this whole thing. So according to him, this is all a made-up story. So, you know, it's going to be nearly impossible to get to the bottom of that. But, you know, this was, so without naming names, he mentioned enough specifics from the stand that people, you know, you didn't have to be Sherlock Holmes to figure out who he was talking about. Yeah, and, and the, the thing about this is, and it came out in the, in the, in the basketball story, is that it's, it's the assistants, this, the head coaches seem to be insulated from this, at least they have been to this point. And it's the assistant coaches, the guys who are out beating the bushes trying to get players and, and trying to recruit them and, and competing against other uh, guys like them and their job depending on what kind of a job they do recruiting. They're the ones with the pressure on them to get these kids to come to the schools. And so they're the ones who are going to be most likely to be shelling out the cash, not the head coach. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, in most cases, the coaches, you know, when they do the recruiting, the head coach, they're kind of the closer in the deal. You know, it's really the assistant coaches who have to go out there and beat the bushes and meet the parents initially and make all the phone calls and the texts. And, you know, depending on how promising situations are, they report back to the head coach, obviously, who, you know, usually has to obviously meet with the player at some point and kind of seal the deal. But the assistant coaches are really the ones in charge of recruiting. And so they're the ones on, on the ground here. And so they're the obvious targets also for people who want to potentially warm their way into the system and, and splash a little cash around because assistant coaches don't get paid nearly as much as head coaches do. Oftentimes their job security is a lot more at issue. So, you know, you can see them as, as kind of a more of a point of vulnerability uh, in this whole matter. You know, and then there's always the question of, sure, like how much does a head coach know? And if he doesn't know, you know, how much does that reflect on him? You know, and we saw Rick Pitino get fired from Louisville as a part of this college corruption trial. And there are a couple of other college basketball coaches who I think uh, may have been subpoenaed to appear in the trial that's going on right now, but mm-hmm. a judge ruled that they didn't have to testify. That would be Will Wade from LSU and Sean Miller from Arizona. Uh, I don't know if that is, if that's a done deal now that they won't have to take the stand, but, you know, it is reaching up to the head coaches. But, yeah, it really is. The assistant coaches seem like the point of entry for a lot of these schemes to try to warm, warm your way in to, uh, you know, get these players on the hook. It's like the guys who go out and break legs for the mob boss, you know, or and, and then these and mm-hmm. the, the head coach says, look, I really don't care what you do. Just get me the players. Uh, but I don't want to know what you're doing out there. Just get the Absolutely. players. Here. I mean, yeah, the, 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 the mafia analogy is not, you know, it's it's a little it's, it's not far off necessarily in terms of the, yeah, the degree to which you know, a head coach can insulate himself. He can kind of give a nod and a wink and he can speak in sort of elliptical terms and, get, you know, and make it clear like what he's looking for and what he's willing to overlook, but he doesn't actually get his own hands dirty. Yeah, and so how much money are we talking about for the football players that, that was disclosed in court? Yeah, it wasn't um, a ton of money, you know, and it, and it goes to the fact these guys are amateurs and a little goes a long way when, when you're in college anyway. Uh, Blazer said he would pay players somewhere between... Uh, three hundred and a thousand, or a hundred and three thousand dollars a month. Uh, which you know, every month, if you're getting a thousand dollars or a couple thousand dollars, would, would be pretty good if, if you're in college. But, pretty good for a college you know, he, kid. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, but I guess you know, <laughs> he's got a budget of his own, and he, if he has a lot of pairs to play, uh, uh, players to pay, you know, he's not going to go crazy with any one of them. But the whole idea was, I'm doing you. I'm, you know, I'm, I'll scratch your back now, and then you, you scratch mine later. And it seems to have worked because he, he was a su- successful financial advisor. And the thing that got him caught was he was embezzling from his clients. So that he could invest in movie and music projects. I mean, it really was uh, kind of a crazy scheme, and, the, and the, uh, the SEC eventually caught on to it when one of his clients complained. You know, and that's how these things happen. You know, he, in a totally unrelated crime, 
he tells the feds, hey, you know, maybe if you'll go easy on me, I, I have information about this whole other thing that I, that I know about or I'm some, somewhat involved in. It's a little like the college admissions scandal, you know, where yeah. we've seen a couple of actresses, you know, kind of same thing. I, Somebody uh, flips uh, on, on a wholly different crime, right. and the next thing you know, you got this on your hands. This Blazer guy, uh, the guys I, I knew from uh, McKee's Rocks, known around here, uh, um, uh, Des, as The Rocks, Used to refer to guys like Blazer. They'd say he was a slippery elm. <laughs> I always I loved that expression. It doesn't mean yeah. anything, but I I just it always it, it always I always thought I did a good job of describing people like that. And it's what I think of when I hear you describing what he did. That, that's a slippery elm, man. So mm-hmm. and, uh, and he's but, based out of Pittsburgh, so that it would it would be understandable. Oh wait, Bla- Blazer was a Pittsburgh guy. I, I believe so. Yeah, that's what I've read about him. That he was he was Pittsburgh based. No, that's nice. Um, and um, and they are already Blazer and Code are both already going to do time if they're not they're doing it already, right? Yeah, like I said, Blazer has already pled guilty to yeah. a variety of, of financial crimes. He could get a maximum of sixty seven years. He said on the stand yesterday he, he he hasn't made any specific deal with prosecutors in terms of of being the cooperating witness in this case, but he hopes to chop some of that you know some of his time off. Uh, yeah, Merle Code uh, and Christian Dawkins, who are the, who are the main. Uh, defendants in this case, um, they were sentenced in a previous case. So I said there were three trials. The first one, they were each sentenced to six months each, which actually was kind of a low sentence uh, compared to what they could have gotten. And a lot of people thought that was because the judge in that case just was was wondering, like, where where is the crime here? Like, why are we even in court for doing this? And a lot of people are asking that question anyway. Why is the federal government getting involved in what looks like Sure, you know, on-the-job corruption and, 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 you know, actions for the NCAA and maybe the universities to take, but why is the federal government getting involved with this? But, yeah, they, those two have been sentenced each to six months each in prison. They're appealing it, so uh, it remains to be seen if they actually do any time. Talking to Des Beeler of the Washington Post uh, about the basketball scandal that may have been uh, turned into a football scandal yesterday. Um, and... Um, yeah, you, you brought up the the prosecutor, the judge, wondering why he's even hearing all this stuff. Uh, Sally Jenkins of the Post wrote a nice column about that a while ago, uh, where she said, "You know, why why is the why are the courts involved in this?" Um, I don't know about you, uh, Des, but uh, I mean, I if if this Blazer character, this slippery elm Blazer, if he embezzled money from somebody, I hope he gets a, a nice jail term. But I don't know if a guy should spend 67 days in jail for for bribing a college kid uh, to go right. to to go you know, some kid to go to Notre Dame. I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's corrupt, but who cares? Right, it's a fair question, and a lot of it, as I alluded to earlier, goes to the fact that these payers, these players, create a, a ton of a huge revenue stream for the NCAA and for their colleges, but they don't personally get paid. I mean, now we have a little bit of stipends and so forth, but. You know, it kind of goes to the problem with the whole thing, which is that there's a ton of money in this, and the players aren't getting any. And so, you know, Slippery Holmes see the opportunity <laughs> to, to splash a little cash around and, and make make a make headway for themselves. But yeah, really, where the, the question is, who, who are the victims here, right? If somebody pays an assistant coach to say, "Hey, just refer me," just say, "Hey, if you want a financial financial advisor, go to this guy." Like, where's the crime, really? You know? Yeah, I'm up against a heartbreaker. What I got about a minute left? Uh, do you get the feeling that the schools or the NCAA really care beyond worrying about getting caught? <laughs> yeah, I don't think they care beyond getting caught. I think the NCAA, because of this high-profile nature of this, you know, these court cases and everyone's talking about it, I think they are going to feel like they're going to have to do something about it. And we've already seen they're investigating Kansas. Uh, the Jayhawks were involved in, in the previous trial. You know, so some of these schools, I think, are certainly going to emerge with some kind of sanctions from the NCAA, especially because the FBI is doing the work of the, of the NCAA, right? They're getting a, a paper trailer. They're getting everything on record. The NCAA can't subpoena anybody, so the FBI is doing them a favor in that case. Hey, Des, I really appreciate you being here. I think a lot of people are scurrying in, in the at NCAA <laughs> and, uh, and around college campuses. Thanks a lot for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Very good. Des Beeler of the Washington Post. And when we come back, uh, Twitter. Somebody did a survey of Twitter users, tweeters, and uh, found out some interesting stuff. Who's out there tweeting? Uh, How many people tweet? And we're going to talk about all that with somebody from the Pew Research Center when we come back. Stick around.
With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. President Trump says his White House will be fighting all the subpoenas issued by House Democrats. The president is criticizing congressional investigations into his administration and says he thought after two years we'd be finished with it. No, now the House goes and starts subpoenaing. They want to know every deal I've ever done. And don't expect any cooperation from the president. He says we'll be fighting all the subpoenas. That presumably includes the subpoena for Don McGahn, the former White House counsel who cooperated with special counsel Robert Mueller. Greg Clugston, Washington. A British security official has confirmed a report identifying one of the Sri Lankan suicide bombers as a man who studied in Britain between 2006 and 2007. The official confirmed a report by Sky News identifying the man as Abdul Latif Jamil Mohammed. On Wall Street, the Dow by 59 points, the Nasdaq dropped 19. This is SRN News. When it comes to your pain, many of you might be skeptical, like I was, about ordering Relief Factor. Pat Boone again for this wonderful 100% drug-free supplement designed to help your own body lower or eliminate occasional aches and pains due to aging, exercise, everyday living. I'm not skeptical any longer. The three-week quick start is now discounted to only $19.95. Why don't you let us see if we can get you out of pain, too, at relieffactor.com. As soon as we're back out in our yard, yep, we get company. Dandelions, lurking crabgrass, and wheat thin grass. But Scott's Turf Builder Triple Action takes care of them all. Now, with one bag, you can kill weeds, prevent crabgrass for up to four months, and feed for greener grass. Triple Action, so your lawn thrives, guaranteed. Only from Scott's. Weeds aren't welcome here. This is a Scott's Yard. Pick up a bag of Scott's Triple Action today. Let's face it, we love Alexa, and we love to let her find your favorite radio station. This one, of course. We love it, too, when she finds us. But she could find us easier if we taught her a simple skill. To get started, simply say, Alexa, enable the answer Pittsburgh skill. After she confirms, you can then say, Alexa, play the answer Pittsburgh. That's all you have to do, and Alexa will learn how to find us. You can listen to us through your Amazon Echo, Echo Show, Echo Dot, and Amazon Tap devices. Alexa, what is your favorite radio station? That's easy. AM 1250, the answer. Hurt in an accident? I can't help you. But if you've invented a new product, improved an existing device, or need help registering a trademark, call me, Attorney Gary Topolowski, at 877-5-PATENT. I've been helping clients protect their ideas for nearly 35 years. Email me at patentlawyerpittsburgh.com. Ask about my discounts for veterans and seniors. 877-572-8368. Now's the time to pursue your dreams, but let's protect them first. Hunt & Associates is your resource for examining the important financial aspects for your retirement plan. Listen to our podcast radio show, Hunt for Retirement, by visiting gwhunt.com. On this week's edition of Hunt for Retirement, we discuss securing lifetime income. Text HUNT to 555-888 or visit gwhunt.com to listen to the podcast now or call 844-366-HUNT for a free copy of the book, Income Allocation and a free retirement income report. Pella has done it again with our brand new lifestyle series. Pella can customize window replacement solutions room by room. Imagine bedroom and bathroom windows with shades between the glass, a room darkening experience for sleep in one room, and beautiful privacy in the other. Pella Lifestyle Series is the number one performing wood window and patio door. For a limited time, get 50% off installation in 12 months, no payments, no interest. Call 888-77-PELLA or PellaPittsburgh.com. Two-time Penguin Stanley Cup champion Kevin Stevens was on top of the world. Then, one decision would change his life forever. What should have been a Hall of Fame career became a losing battle with addiction. It was time to fight back. Join Kevin Stevens and his team for Crosscheck Substance Abuse Radio for hard-hitting discussion, inspirational stories, and cutting-edge resources to power forward in the fight against addiction. Saturday mornings at 10 on AM 1250, The Answer. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. We continue to see some heavy delays on the inbound Parkway West. Carnegie down to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Now, also, there's an accident inbound at Banksville Road. Outbound, also looking busy, Banksville Road to Carnegie. Parkway North slowing down outbound as you approach 79. Now, the Parkway East also seeing a share of delays outbound. Boulevard of the Allies to Edgewood, Swissvale. Northbound 79 heavy from the Parkway North to 910. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer, weather. 
Mostly cloudy for tonight with some rain developing toward daybreak. The low tonight, 47. For tomorrow, cloudy skies with a little rain at times. High 68 tomorrow night. Periods of rain along with an embedded thunderstorm. Low 56. Friday, mostly cloudy and remaining damp with occasional rain. A breezy and cooler day. High 61 degrees. With Iraqi weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. I spent way too much time on Twitter, but I have an excuse. I'm in the media, and it's a good way to reach the customers, if you know what I mean. But who else is on Twitter, and who's doing the tweeting, aside from the president, of course? Uh, Stefan Wojcik is from the Pew Research Center and just finished a study to find that out. He joins us now. Stefan, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, the piece is called Sizing Up Twitter Users. Uh, How did you size them up? I know that you could go on for a while about that, but just give me the quick take first here. Right. So we wanted to know whether or not Twitter users are different from the general public across an array of, of dimensions. So are they demographically different? Do they have different attitudes than the general public? So just generally, how are Twitter users different from the U.S. public at large? And how did you do the survey? So we did a survey of U.S. adult Twitter users um, ask them about their demographics, age, income, gender, politics, how they view a few social issues. Um, then we also asked for their Twitter handles. And then we, once we had their Twitter handles, we went to the Twitter API and actually pulled down their, their tweets and their sort of profile data. So we could see how much they tweet, uh, how much they like, how much they favorite, uh, who they follow. This is, of course, with their permission. Mm-hmm. Now, you, uh, I think it's... You said there were, on the piece, uh, I don't have it right here in front of me, it's 2,100 people, something like that, two, over 2,000. Uh, nearly nearly 3,000 respondents, yeah. Yeah, so how, I'm, that, that's a lot of work, isn't it? You had to go on to three, uh, the thousands of, of Twitter feeds and look at their likes? It could be interesting, yeah. but also kind of tedious and, and uh, hard to do, wasn't it? Right, yes. Uh, thankfully, uh, so I'm part of a, a group at the Pew Research Center that does sort of data science stuff. So what we did, did was actually write a program that did all that for us. Oh, well, explain. How, what, what does it do? It sorts it out by, by um, likes and, and... So, yeah. So if you have a Twitter uh, handle, mm-hmm. um, so your Twitter handle, for instance, yeah. um, it would go to the Twitter API, which is um, sort of kind of a pipeline that, that gives you access to uh, t- certain Twitter data. And um, we punch in your, your handle, and it gives us back how many followers you have, how oh, many okay. tweets you have, how long your account has been open, that sort of information. So 22% of adults are using it a lot. Um, I can't decide in my mind whether that surprises me or not. That's one out of, one out of five adults using Twitter. I, 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 think, I'm, I think I'm not surprised. <laughs> So, right, yeah, it, it is um, not, not a huge number, 22% of the public, not, not even a quarter of the public. Um, but Twitter is, of course, an important platform for a variety of reasons. It's often cited in the news. Some public figures use it. Um, and doing research on it kind of builds on a lot of research we've been doing at the Pew Research Center about bots on Twitter and uh, how people view sort of social activism using hashtags. So this research is, is really an extension of that. Yeah, and and uh, so I mean, one out of a little better than one out of five is still that's that's a lot of adults. Uh, what what's an adult over eighteen? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so one in five uh, Twitter user or one in five adults, um, you know, use Twitter. Uh, but we what we found was actually uh, the number of of people who are very active who who produce a lot of tweets is actually quite small. So we found that. Um, the top 10% of users on Twitter actually produce 80% of the tweets among U.S. adult users. Now, I tw- so there's sort of there's sort of a minority of Twitter users that produce a lot of content. Yeah, and I tweet a lot. I, I do a radio show, and I've I've been in the media here for a long time. And you know, as I'm sure you know, um, Twitter is a good way yep. to promote your product. If you're in the media, you can. If you have a lot of followers, you can tell all those followers to tune in tonight because I have a special guest or whatever, you know. So uh, I'm sure that of those um, 22 percent, a lot of that is a lot of those people are media people. But um, uh, do you think that the um, uh, media might depend too much on 
what they see on Twitter or hear, read on Twitter based on what you found? In other words, that that they that most people would not be aware that most of those tweets are coming from 10% of the people? Right. So Twitter has become sort of this modern public square where people talk about lots of things. Or a lot of journalists use Twitter to kind of communicate about the news and maybe to get information, uh, at least anecdotally, um, seem to get information from Twitter. Um, but so what we found in the study was that a lot of the people who are on Twitter, um, well, Twitter as a as sort of like a population tends to be more democratic, tends to um, be younger, tends to be wealthier. And so so that is the population of Twitter. And so potentially, um, you know, people could be exposed to uh, kinds of information that is different from the general public. So we didn't we didn't look at exposure to particular types of information in this study, but um, that would be sort of a next logical step to look at, you know, what what types of information could people potentially be um, looking at or exposed to if, if you're an average person on Twitter. Yeah, and you also uh, say that there there's a wide diversity among the regulars of those 10%. Like the, the, that's uh, the, that's a, a pretty big um, a wide a wide uh, diversity in that group, sizable. Right. I think so, is the word you used. Right. So among among the top ten percent, you're talking about the most active ten yeah. percent. Um, so so yeah, they have um, they're very active. They have a lot of uh, they do a lot of liking, favoriting, following. Um, but they're actually also more likely to be women, and they're also more likely to post about politics. Both of those things are interesting. Well, not the politics part, because if you go on Twitter, maybe it's just based on the people that I follow and the you know the, the people I'm interested in. I see so much politics on there, but I'm kind of surprised that it's more women than men. Uh, does that make me a sexist pig? I mean, I, I don't know. It just it surprises me. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if I had a particular expectation about who the most active uh, Twitter yeah. users uh, were. Um, I think. Um, I think uh, that is certainly one notable finding from this study was that um, nearly, you know, nearly two thirds um, of the most active users are women. We're talking to Stefan Wojcik. He's uh, with the Pew Research Center, and they did a, a, an extensive um, sizing up of Twitter users. You can find it. Uh, I found it. Where would they find this? Uh, at, uh, what's your website where they can go? I know I found uh, it on Twitter actually. Uh, yeah, they can go to pewresearch.org, and it'll be on the front page. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a it's a pretty pretty um, impressive and um, and thorough study here of what's going on. Um, now the regulars um, mostly tweet about politics. What should how should politicians, if if you were advising a politician based on what you found about you know who's using this and where this stuff is coming from, how should politicians pay attention to this? I mean, I think I think this study sort of. It allows um, politicians to have a conversation about what what they uh, what their constituency on Twitter might look like, what Twitter users in general, who they might be reaching um, on Twitter, if uh, assuming they're sort of reaching the average Twitter user. I think this study sort of you know adds to a conversation around you know who you might be communicating with um, when you get onto that website. Um, would it be? It- would it be dangerous? Again, I, I, these are questions I don't expect you to uh, actually be fully aware of, but just based on your research. But you know a lot more about Twitter right now than most people do because you did the research. Um, should um, people be wary about – I'm talking about people like trying to sell something or even a politician. Should they be wary about spending too much time or, or giving too much credence to what they find on Twitter? I mean, I think um, what I can say is, th- is that this study finds that Twitter users are different in certain ways, but those differences weren't, they weren't sort of uh, wildly out of bounds. So, so we found that Twitter tends to lean left, lean left and be sort of um, lean toward the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. be younger. But um, along some other dimensions, sort of like race and gender, for instance, Twitter users were actually really similar to the general population. Um, so, so in some ways, Twitter is different, but in some ways, um, it's not. And so, and so, you know, having that conversation about whether or not what you see on Twitter is, is sort of strange or weird, um, you know, you should take those, those ideas into, 
you know, into consideration, I would say. So something that's trending on Twitter, what should I take from that? Who's, who's making it trend? Right. I think that, I think that is a, a, an important question that, you know, I think, I hope that we can get into um, later on as we continue to dig through data like this to see what, if something is trending on Twitter, um, would that mean that it is trending among U.S. adult Twitter users? Um, because we know that Twitter is sort of a, a platform with all kinds of different types of entities, so organizations and um, some bots, and so different different types of accounts that sort of do different things. And so I think that's a really interesting question. What does it mean to trend? Um, and if it trends, does it mean it's trending among you know U.S. adult users? I think that's a really important question that, that we're going to hopefully dig into later. Yeah, and and so if I... Based on the information you're finding, if you haven't found, if you haven't figured it out yet, do you think you're on? Would you be on the way to figuring out what the secret would be to get something to trend? Yeah, if that's so what you wanted to do, we're not on the way to that. We don't we don't study that in this report, and um, I, I couldn't I couldn't you know uh, offer any advice advice about how something trends, but it is an interesting sort of question, you know, how, how Twitter sort of decides um, what content people see. That is not something uh, we're able to look at at this, and in this study um, beyond just sort of knowing that, you know, certain users produce more content than other users, um, as I mentioned earlier. Twitter uh, is still relatively new. It hasn't been around all that long. Um, is it something, do you think that it's here forever? I mean, is, I, it, is this something just part of America now, Twitter? I mean, I couldn't speculate on on how on its sort of longevity. I know that um, I know that it's become a, a major platform for a variety of reasons. That there is um, there are uh, politicians that that tweet to their constituencies and, and the general public. There are um, media individuals and and celebrities that reach out to their fans. Um, so it's become sort of this modern public square, and I think. Um, that may or may not persist. I, I couldn't even speculate on um, on what what its long term uh, uh, vision looks like. Now, I, I also, I'm asking you questions that I hope I'm not asking you questions that are impossible to answer. But I, I'm just thinking about uh, you know the fact that you actually did a, a deep study on this. I don't know if anybody else has really delved into it like this. But um, who is? Can, can you tell me who the average troll is? Uh, no, I, I can tell you that we have done uh, some prior research on um, uh, bots on, on Twitter. We looked at the proportion of uh, tweeted links shared by bots uh, last year. Um, but I couldn't tell you, you know, Twitter is changing constantly. They've been um, ramping up um, a variety of different efforts to, to combat that kind of content. So I couldn't... Um, I couldn't speculate on what the average troll looks like. We haven't yet dug into the sort of content. See, I thought um, you would have included like a picture of a troll on there and said, you know, but this is a composite of, <laughs> of what we found. This is a Twitter troll. Um, yeah, but you mentioned bots. Now, how, what percentage of what I see on Twitter might be produced by a bot? Well, I couldn't tell you. I mean, last year we did a study um, looking at uh, tweeted links by bots, um, you can take a look at that that study. It's still online, um, but at, but yeah, that um, is there a lot of it. We found at the time we found we found at the time that uh, two thirds of tweeted links um, were from bots uh, at the time. But that was a year ago, and there was there's been a lot of change on the platform and cracking down on different accounts, and that's been in the news lately. So um, I couldn't tell you if that that is still the number, but that was what we found last year when we did a pretty rigorous study. Two thirds of the links are bots. Uh, two third, we found that at the time, two thirds of tweeted links uh, were posted by accounts that that were suspected to be bots. That were wow. We found with a high likelihood of being bots. And so what does that tell? What what should that tell me? Well, not all of the content was was necessarily um, uh, necessarily polluting the platform. Some of it was. Um, of the content types we looked at, um, some of it was news, some of it was um, things like adult content, um, some of it was sports. Um, so, 
it, it wasn't necessarily all kind of uh, spam. It was a variety of different types of content. Um, yeah. And here's another question I'm sure you can't answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Uh, the conservatives are suspicious. Yeah, and you mentioned this, that the users that you found uh, lean liberal, the, re- the regular tweeters. The more you know, the more uh, regular tweeters uh, tend to be liberal, and I'm sure you've seen in the news that conservatives are, and they've brought people into Congress to uh, question them about this. Um, you know, shadow shadow banning and and all that stuff that goes on on Twitter and and people losing followers. Do you think any of that's going on, or anything that you could find by your study that would indicate that? So there's nothing in our study that um, that says anything about shadow banning. Um, we we can say we can say the proportion of users on the site who identify with with different kinds of parties and and what they say about different social issues, but uh, but we can't say anything about who's shadow banned. Um, that's kind of a question about um, how Twitter decides to moderate or, or or present different kinds of content to folks, and that's really hard to get at um, because Twitter doesn't sort of provide access to researchers to see who's exposed to what content. That's sort of internal. Um, to to their system, but but it's a it's an interesting, it's a really interesting question. Stefan, uh, how do we follow you? Uh, not you. Well, we can follow you too. But um, the uh, Pew Research Center on Twitter. Uh, yeah, you can uh, you can follow at Pew Research. Um, P E W uh, on Twitter. Research. Yeah. Absolutely. P E W R E S E A R C H. Okay, and uh, and the website. Uh, PewResearch.org. Not hard. Hey, I, I appreciate it, Stefan. Interesting stuff there. I enjoyed reading that, and there's a lot of, uh, I, I thought, surprising information in there. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, we'll be right back. I'm a tweet with Gilbert in a deal page. Tweet is my name, but I don't know my age. I don't have to worry, and that is that. I'm safe in here from that old party hat. Have you heard the crack of the bat, the cheers of the crowd? Have you seen the smiles on the faces of the players as they take the field? I'm not talking about the Pirates. I'm talking about what's happening in Moon Township that can only be described as a miracle. This is John Stagerwald. With the help of Pirates Charities and people like yourself, the Miracle League of Moon Township has broken ground on a brand new ball field and adaptive playground where athletes with special needs can play regardless of their ability. At miraclesinmoon.org, you can see the stunning plans for the 9,500-square-foot playground and state-of-the-art ADA-compliant restroom facility with showers, wave technology, multi-level fountains and sinks, mechanical changing tables, and more. It's incredible. Our goal? To raise the remaining funds they need to bring it home by first pitch this September. Check it out at miraclesinmoon.org slash donate and make your tax-deductible gift today. That's miraclesinmoon.org slash donate. This message paid for by Robinson Town Center, a Zamias Properties entity. Hey there, gun lovers. Here's an exciting opportunity to celebrate your Second Amendment freedoms at the number one destination for American gun owners. It only happens once a year, so don't miss out. This is your chance to claim your discounted tickets to the Concealed Carry Expo coming to Pittsburgh the weekend of May 17th through the 19th. It'll be an action-packed three-day event at the David Lawrence Convention Center you don't want to miss. Text EXPO to the number 87222 right now to lock in your discounted tickets and to learn more. It's that easy, and you'll get exclusive access to check out new guns and gear, a free live fire range, reality-based training simulator, training, and much, much more. Plus, if you register right now, you'll also get your free responsibly armed American t-shirt made by Nine Line Apparel. It's a high-quality shirt with a limited edition design. But that ends very soon. Don't get left behind. Hurry and text EXPO to the number 87222 to get your tickets now. That's the word EXPO to the number 87222. Restricting free speech is restricting truth. The far left has crossed a line, silencing conservatives across America. Shadow banning on Twitter, Facebook, blocked ads on YouTube, restricted searches on Google, Prager University. Why isn't it fully available everywhere? All of these are direct attacks on our First Amendment rights. It's time for conservative America to wake up. You have a choice. You can fight back with veteran-led PatriotMobile.com, America's only conservative cell phone company. Every phone call protects your constitutional rights. Every bill that you pay fights for your freedom. Get the same reliable 
incredible nationwide coverage you already have and know that your hard-earned money is supporting conservative organizations like the Heritage Foundation, PragerU, and Alliance Defending Freedom. With plans starting as low as $25 a month, why wait? Call 1-800-A-PATRIOT. Use the word Hugh or visit patriotmobile.com forward slash Hugh to waive your activation fee. We will not be silent. Join me and thousands of Americans. Switch to Patriot Mobile today and let freedom ring. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn. But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day. And it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, uh, a couple things here. First of all, um, we talked about uh, the money that uh, was spent on the uh, Heinz Field and Ben Roethlisberger getting a contract. I got a tweet from somebody who calls himself Tommy Dover Spike. I don't know if this is being sarcastic or not, but he says, It is a steal for the city to only pay $2.5 million to help keep the team that gives the town more of its identity than any other single entity. Come on, man. Uh, I don't know if he's being sarcastic, but a lot of people believe that. And I think I'm, this is not a popular opinion, but I don't believe that it's a good thing that the number one thing that the city of Pittsburgh identif- is identified by is a football team. Because I'm old enough to remember when it was known as the steel capital of the world. That's kind of a better thing and more important thing than a football team, but that's just me. One other thing. We've been trying to get a hold of Connor Lamb, the congressman. We've sent him uh, 10 emails, called his office. We keep, we keep getting uh, well, the brush off. And I just want to let you know, I'm trying to get him on the show. If you run into him somewhere, ask him to call us so I can talk to him for 15 minutes. Just, you know, he's a congressman and we're his constituents and he's supposed to talk to us. And come on, Connor, give us a break over here. See you tomorrow. The John Steigerwall Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.